Well, good morning, Community Church, and welcome to another week of Detox. I hope that God has been helping you get rid of toxins in your life. I hope this is making a difference in your relationships, in your thoughts, in your religion, in your words. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at a detox in our words. Words either spoken to us or words that have actually come out of our own mouths. So I'm going to check out right at the beginning here four scriptures and I'm going to read them and see if you can pick the common theme that works throughout these four scriptures here. The first one is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said. That's your first scripture. Now check this one out. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Scripture number 3. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. This is a common thread here even in our chapters and verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands have touched, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And the last little verse here, it's not a chapter one, it's Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. So I think there's a common theme with these scriptures. We see a lot of chapter one and verse one's in here, and we see most of them referring to the very beginning of all things. And we see God is simply creating by using words. We see a powerful description in the Gospel of John chapter one of Jesus Christ, who was present at creation when God used words to create, but he is now described as the word. That's fascinating stuff. Something very influential and something very impactful simply about how we speak these words that come out of our mouths. And then Proverbs underscores this very plainly to simply say, actually your words hold the power of death and life. What does that mean? That there's a blessing in your life as a result of words, words that you receive and words that you offer. And the opposite, there is an undoing of a blessing, an anti-blessing, as a result of, again, words that you are on the receiving end of or words that you are giving out and offering out to other people. When I was a child, I was always told that bad words, those naughty words that we've all heard and many of us have used in our lives. When I was a child, they were all labeled cursing. Those are cursing words. Alan, don't speak like that. Don't curse. That was the word that was always used when I was a child growing up. He's cursing. She's cursing. To be more pointed, I think that we can make the case that when the scripture says that the power of life and death is found in words, that it's found in blessing and in cursing. Or to be even more exact, it's to be found in truth and lies. The power of life is to be found in words of truth. The power of death is to be found in words of lies. Jesus Christ is the truth. 
He is the word. He is the embodiment of truth. He said so himself. Satan is known as the father of lies. How many of you here, as you're listening to my voice today, would honestly say this? You can remember in your life words that were spoken to you or about you that were horribly damaging. And it's as though those words took a hold of you to some degree, that they shaped you and damaged you in a very, very painful way. It's amazing. Those words could be from a long time ago, from decades ago even. And yet they cling to us as though they were spoken yesterday. We remember the moment. We remember who was present. We remember who said it, how they said it, the exact words that they used, even the tone behind the words. All of it. We remember those things vividly. On the other hand, how many of you can remember a different occasion in your life when somebody spoke words of life over you? Parents, teachers have incredible opportunities for this. They were kind words. They were uplifting words. They, they, and they shaped you. Uh, they got a hold of you. They gripped you with incredible passion or even direction and encouragement for your life. And it was life-giving for you. And you remember those words. Today, the words you speak can be life-giving or they can be life-taking. That is laid out so clearly in Scripture. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says this, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Some of us have spoken these words or had them spoken to us or over us. Words that have wounded or pierced like a sword or words that were used like a bomb and they brought healing and hope for people. Today, we detox lifeless words over you today. Here's how we're going to do it. Number one, I want you to speak life-giving words every chance you get. You are going to become a force to be reckoned with. I want you to speak life-giving words every chance that you get. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. New rule for you, for the rest of your life. You ready? Whenever you have something good to say, say it. Double dog dare you. Whenever you have something great to say, go ahead and just say it out loud. Every time. Give life to it. Give expression to it. Don't hold back. Just release great words, life-giving words, loving words into the life of another person. Don't rob anybody of life-giving words and a life-giving blessing. If you have a bad marriage today, I promise you there are more toxic words in your marriage than there are life-giving words in your marriage. If you're struggling with your children, children, if you're struggling with your parents, if you're struggling with somebody that you work with, I promise you there's more toxic words in those relationships than there are life-giving words taking place. It's not even hard to do. It's not hard to open up your mouth and speak life-giving words. But most of us just don't do it. We don't speak life-giving words deliberately. The tongue holds the power of life and death. You have within your words the capacity to speak life into somebody today. 
Why would we not be doing that all the time? I was sharing a conversation recently with Pastor Wally, and we were actually talking about someone in our church, someone who's on our staff. They work in the facilities team. And we were just talking about them, and we were just bragging about this person. This person is incredible. They, have, they do such an incredible job. Um, they've got an incredible work ethic. They love the Lord. They, uh, they just love their family. They just have a sense of maturity about them. We were just talking up a storm. And then Pastor Wally and I went our separate ways. Hours later, I bumped into that person. And actually, I happened to be working on this sermon exactly at the same time. And I thought to myself, why would I say that about this person to Pastor Wally, but not say it to the person's face? And so I just went up to them and I just said, here's what you need to know. I've been talking about you behind your back. I've been positively gossiping about you. And this is what we've been saying about you. Pastor Wally and I, we just think this about you and you're amazing and you're great and look at how God is using you. And I have to think that that person walked away feeling uplifted and cared for and encouraged. It was life-giving to that person. Why would we not? Why would I keep that to myself? Or why would I say that to someone else and not to the person that I was talking about? Number two, speak life-giving words to yourself and to your circumstances. Speak life-giving words to yourself. Yes, I am encouraging you to talk to yourself and to your circumstances. Mark chapter 11. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. What a crazy scripture. What, what, what do you do with that? Don't talk about your mountains. Talk to your mountains about God. That's a different way to speak. This virus is a prime example. How many of your words have you given to describing this virus? Think about it. How many of your words have you allowed to come out of your mouth to speak about the numbers and statistics and what's happening in other people's countries and the economy and people who are sick and how this is doing damage and how we're isolated and what might happen and how awful this is? All of it. How many words have you allotted to a virus? A virus. You're talking about the mountain. Now in comparison, how many words have you spoken to the virus about God? How many words have you spoken to God in the context of the virus? How big he is, how powerful he is, what an incredible healer God is, what you believe in terms of God's sovereignty and that despite all of this chaos, that God is still in control, that he is your peace, that God is your strength. I learned this several years ago. From, for years, for many, many years, I, I've prayed with people who are sick, people who, are, who would say, I want God to heal me. And oftentimes what happens is the person comes and they begin to tell me naturally what's wrong with them. And there have been times where someone's talking for two minutes, for five minutes, sometimes for 10 minutes about why they're sick and how they're sick. And this pain or that ache or an upcoming surgery or some kind of medicine that they had to take but the medicine didn't work and the sickness and the pain and how bad things are and that the person what they're doing in that time is they're giving their words to this illness and I find myself listening to this and then it affects me now 
I'm not going to pretend that that's not a real thing, that they are genuinely sick, that there's something wrong there. But what I've actually done nowadays is after about 30 seconds, I just cut that person off. I'm like, that's great. I think I got a picture of what you're talking about. Because it's not that I want to be inattentive uh, or lacking care. It's I don't want to give all of these words to sickness and illness. I don't want to give it all that attention because they're in opposition to sickness. Life and death are to be found in words. I want to start in that moment with that person I'm going to pray for. I want to start giving words to the person of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's just good and helpful for that person. It's necessary for them just to hear me speak about times where God has actually healed people. That's a whole different conversation, talking about sickness and illness at length, or no, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus Christ, the healer, who healed this person and this man and that woman and that child and that family. Let me tell you what that was about. Those are different words coming out of our mouth. I want to deliberately give words to what Jesus does, how Jesus heals, his goodness, his faithfulness as our Father. And now my words begin to align with what I can only describe to be the greater truth. It's not that the person isn't sick. I'm not denying the reality or the truth of that. Yes, your leg is hurt or your bone is broken. But I want to speak the ascendancy of the truth of Jesus Christ in the context of sickness. Your sickness, yes, it's a reality. It is a truth. But Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he is able to heal you. And that is a greater truth. It is a greater reality. Church, is this making sense? Look in scripture. I want you to look at the words of a little boy who was too small to even wear armor. His name was David. Watch his words. It is a great example of speaking words into a horrible circumstance, right? We want to speak these life-giving words to ourselves. We want to speak life-giving words to our circumstances. So we get the scrawny boy, David, and he rolls up into the middle of a military stalemate between Israel and the Philistines, only to see and hear this massive giant of a human being who is ridiculing God with his words, ridiculing the people of God, the God that David loves and trusts and respects. This giant is pouring out words to belittle God and to belittle the people of God. He is leveraging words to scoff at David's God. And it's like David gets there and he listens to him for two minutes. He's like, I can't listen to this anymore. I don't want to hear another word from this man's mouth. The rest of the army, check this out. They'd been listening to it, the scripture says, for 40 days. And this is what it says. When the giant would speak these words, they would retreat in fear. And they did that for 40 days. That was the power of words over an entire army, the army of God. He would come out, he would ridicule, and they would be paralyzed in fear. David, he comes across this for the first time. He's actually bringing lunch for his brothers. And he cannot believe what he's here, what he hears. So he asks his brothers, you know, what is this? Who is this guy? How is he speaking like this? He's ridiculing our nation and our God. He, this is what he says to his brothers. And they actually get back at David in an angry way. 1 Samuel 21 says this, 
they, they ridicule him and Samuel responds, what have I done? He says, can't I even speak? I want you to consider what David said right there. Can't I even speak? It's a great question. Can't you even speak? David can't listen to these words for another second because he has something to say. And look at the words that now take place between David, this scrawny little kid who can't even wear this this armor, and this ridiculing giant, this Philistine. Verse 43, he said to David, this is the giant, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Look at this, curses, death. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. What would you say? Look at what David says. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Notice he's speaking with tremendous faith. He's talking about things that haven't taken place yet. This is future tense. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Man, throw down, David. I want to ask you the same question. Can I even speak? Can you speak today? Some of you, you've been paralyzed by words for long enough. And it's time for you to open up your mouth and speak life-giving words to yourself. Open up your mouth and speak life-giving words to your circumstances because you have been listening to threats and ridicule and the negativity and the lifeless words from the enemy and it has penetrated your soul. You've begun to believe that which is not from your father. Now this is not name it and claim it theology. I tried it, dear Jesus, I'm on a Rolls Royce, bam, Rolls Royce in the driveway. It didn't happen, I tried it, it it doesn't work. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about aligning your words with the word of God. I'm talking about aligning your words with what God can do, faith, future tense. Filling your mouth with faith and trust, deliberately crafting words deliberately saying, man, I'm going to speak these because they're going to bless and they're going to build up. You look at your circumstances and you're able to see the difference that God can make when he comes into those circumstances. And then you put that into words. You speak life to others, to yourself. You speak with faith into your circumstances. And some of you, you're missing out on what God has for you. You're not doing what God has called you to do. And here's why, because you are believing and acting on words that simply are not true. Get that toxic poison out of your life and start speaking and acting on words that are true. Forgive that person who spoke that 
junk into your life. Stop rehearsing it and, and rewinding the tape and reliving it. You are who God says you are, not what anyone else says about you. My life is always going to be bad. I'm never going to be happy. No, God has plans to bless you and prosper you. Those are very different words. I'll never have enough. I'll always be lacking. No, God is my provider. You give life to these words. God knows what I need. God calls me to peace, not to worry. I can't change. I keep making the same mistakes. I keep doing the same wrong things, the same stuff. I can't stop. I'll never change. I'm always going to be like this. You see those words? No. That looks impossible. In fact, yes, that's impossible to me. But I believe, and I'm saying it out loud, that with God, all things are possible, even in my life. And you have to decide. Are you going to believe that or not? You have to make up your mind. And then you allow your words to follow your faith. Faith in a future, not in a lack. Faith in God's blessing, not in bondage. Faith in God's provision. Faith in God's power moving in and over your life. One of those words will bring you death and curses. And one of those words will bring you life and blessing. Last one, number three. Oh, I love this. I want you to worship with life-giving words. I got a, I mean, I got a huge challenge for you here. I really mean this. I want you to worship with life-giving words. When you worship, what do you think is happening? When you worship, you are giving expression and words to that which is true. It's even more than that. It's not just that you're giving words to that which is true. It's that which is ultimately true. Does that make sense? You are aligning your life with what is not only true, not only the greatest truth, but the most important truth. The truth of who God is and of who you are in God. And Satan hates this. He has no idea what to do with a follower of Christ when everything goes wrong for you in life, but you decide to open up your mouth and speak worship. You align yourself with what is true of God and who you are in God. Satan's like, I don't know what to do. I'll come back tomorrow. I don't know what to do with a follower of Christ who's able to do that when everything is going against him or her. I think the sound of worship, I think it bothers him. It's what he used to do. Satan used to be a worship leader. He used to take it very seriously. But now I think he has an aversion to it. He knows that he has rejected what is true and that he himself now is only a peddler, a father of lies, a spinner of lies. He knows about the fallacy of his occupation. It's like an employee who works for a company who makes a terrible product but is forced to make claims about the product that it's like the best product in the world. What a miserable existence. We have the pleasure of worship. Declare with our mouth to bring these words into being the truth about the word Jesus Christ. Somehow, we are aligning ourselves 
with the Creator, remember in Genesis, who spoke and brought life into creation. And now we open our mouths. Now, some people think, well, does that mean that we have creative power? No, that's not what it is. It's not that we have creative power. It's this. We can agree with the one who has creative power, or we can agree with the one who has destructive power. This is deeply personal to me. One of the most powerful ways in my walk with Christ, in my, in my experience, that I experience God in my life, is through worship. I want you to picture a 14-year-old Irish boy in Dublin many, many years ago who just encountered Christ again and again sitting at a piano singing. I'm not even joking you. It just did something to me. I found myself in his presence as a teenager, 14, 15, 16 years of age, just experiencing and singing truth over and over. And I would do this for hours. I just somehow fell in love with all of that. It may have been one of the most dominant voices in my life at that time. I would just worship God and I loved music. Sometimes it would be one o'clock in the morning and my parents would be stomping on the floor. How's that for a, a parental problem? Stop worshiping Jesus. We need to sleep. It's a great problem. And I started making up songs and writing songs and creating music and writing lyrics and, and looking into scriptures and singing the Bible. And all I can tell you is that for me as a teenager, it was as real as it gets. And as I worshipped and as I aligned my words with what is true, the Spirit began to shape me and transform me. I worshipped and the Spirit aligned my life with that which was true. And I got to tell you, church, I got a huge challenge. I feel burdened about this. Some of you have not tapped into this. You have not. You have been around worship, but you have yet to cannonball. You know what I'm talking about? The deep end of the pool, where you jump as high as you can and you tuck your knees in and you just dive deep. You're politely tipping your toe in the water. You see, it's right and biblical for you to cannonball into worship. The word for it that you are gonna, you're going to find in the scripture is this word. It's an unusual word. It is to rend, to rend your life. God says, I don't want your perfunctory religion. I want to detox dead words in your life. So rend your heart, cannonball your life into the truth of worship. Lose yourself in my presence. Open your mouth. Don't dabble. I want you to be unabashed. I want you to be without reservation, without shame, with great tremendous passion. That which is true of your God and you as his son and as his daughter. This is worship, church. God is good. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Our God is good and he is faithful. Amen, church. No matter what has happened, no matter how difficult or how challenging you find your life in the past or in the present, God, even come what may, I will worship my God because he is good and he is faithful. And when you do that, I'm telling you, it changes things. When you do that, it reduces lies. It belittles lies. It inhibits falsehoods. It stifles condemnation and guilt. It corners deceit and it exposes pity and doubt. It unravels confusion and fear. You worship and the work of the enemy finds itself reduced and reduced. 
and you worship and your own capacity for disobedience and attention to the wrong places is usurped when you worship God. I'm saying it. I'm speaking it. It's good for me to say it out loud. I literally open up my mouth and I declare his kingship, his lordship, his supremacy, his shed blood for me. These things that I know to be true. Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ has risen again. Jesus Christ will come back again. We sing these things. We speak these things because these are the ultimate truths. Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. My God is an awesome God. I am a child of God. I am adopted. I'm loved by the one who fully knows me. I am here on purpose. I am found in him. I am forgiven. I am made whole. I am blessed. All of these things are the greatest of truths. And you need to know this and believe this and live this and breathe this and reflect this. And so we speak this and we sing this and we shout this and we declare this regularly, hourly, minute by minute. I will step into this truth. I will do so with my worship because it is the ultimate truth. My God. Church, is this making sense? I want you to type right now in the sidebar, amen. I'm with you. Amen literally means yes. Amen means may it be so. Amen. I want the whole church saying, God, yes, this is how I will use my words. May it be so. My lips out loud, I will declare, amen, amen, amen. Church, let's worship the living God together.